This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Friday, January the 19th, saw more than 100,000 pro-life people gather in Washington, D.C. for the 45th annual March for Life. The march was started the year after the infamous Supreme Court Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion on demand. Since that ruling, nearly 60 million unborn babies have been slaughtered. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, knows the biblical truth that life begins at conception and that abortion is a great evil. The LCMS is an active participant in the March for Life. Peter Slayton, social media manager for the LCMS, was just one of many Lutherans who attended the annual protest march in the nation's capital. Peter is my guest on today's World Lutheran News Digest as we discuss what he saw and heard at this year's march. And now today's Fast Track. The Missouri Supreme Court will hear a Satanist argument next week against a state-informed consent law that she alleges violates her religious freedom. The court is scheduled to hear the Satanic Temple's appeal next Tuesday. A federal judge threw out the case in 2016, saying that the plaintiff, identified as Mary Doe, a member of the Satanic Temple, failed to show sufficiently concrete injuries. The Satanic Temple alleges that Missouri trampled on Doe's religious rights by requiring she undergo an ultrasound and receive information about her unborn baby's development, abortion risks, and alternatives to abortion. The state law also requires that a woman take 72 hours to consider the information before going through the abortion. A Christian couple who were told by Minnesota officials that they must film same-sex weddings despite their religious objections have appealed to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Carl and Angel Larson of Telescope Media Group appealed a lower court decision from last year which they said had to film same-sex weddings or face legal penalties. Alliance Defending Freedom filed an opening brief last Friday, arguing that the Minnesota law violates the couple's constitutional rights. U.S. District Court Judge John Tunheim ruled against the Larsons last September, arguing, among other things, that the law is neutral in its application and does not force businesses to convey a government message. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is Roll Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Peter Slayton. Peter, what do you do for our communications department here at the LCMS? I am the manager of social media, which means I get to spend all my time on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, getting the message out about what our church is doing, sharing encouraging messages, and dealing with trolls. <laughs> <laughs> what fun. Oh, yes. Now, the reason I asked Peter on this program specifically is that he was in Washington, D.C. for the Friday March for Life. Yes. And I saw some of the things that you posted on Facebook, and I want to get your impression of it. What was going on? Sure. 
Word on the street that I've heard is that this may have actually been the largest March for Life ever. Wow. Now, I don't have confirmation of yet, but that was confirmation of that yet. But that was the rumor going around from the organizers that they're trying to get some good numbers on it to see what happened. Um, but they think it may have actually been the largest one yet. Well, I think the largest on record was 600,000. Yeah. And that, well, that's my recollection is, you know, somewhere around half a million is kind of what they're always going for. And if this was the largest, that's a huge group. And there were a lot of people there. So, yeah, <laughs> it's believable, at least. It really was. And, and a, a couple of things that I find really encouraging. One is that this is indeed the 45th. And every year it seems to grow and grow and grow. You know, there's a little give and take. Yeah, but, you get some ups and downs depending yeah. on the year. And the other thing that I have noticed over the years is the demographics. It seems to me that you know, when it first started, it was a bunch of older people, and now the uh, uh, the number of young people who are involved in this thing is just amazing. Yeah, it, it's incredible to to be there in the march with people of, of all ages and all backgrounds. You have everything from the grandmother to the granddaughter to the great-granddaughter. There was one mother there who actually was uh, carrying one baby on her back and one baby on her front, you know, toddler on the back, baby on the front, walking. There were whole families there with strollers. There were even individuals in wheelchairs uh, being pushed throughout this march. So it's literally the a kind of event that is for everybody and everybody attends. And not just in terms of age, but you have atheists for life, you have agnostics for life, you have feminists for life. I mean, there's all these different groups that tend to be associated with the other point of view, which is that you know, the, the pro-choice view um, or pro-abortion view are actually here advocating for life itself when you would expect them to be advocating for the opposite because that's how they tend to be associated most commonly. Well, that's one of the beauties of this is that it's really uh, something that transcends the religious aspect. This is a cultural fight. And I think people are finally starting to realize this. As you pointed out, people who are not necessarily religious are recognizing yeah. the, this cause. When we march, we march under the Eyes of Life banner. Uh, Lutherans for Life marches along with us, but our message is that each individual has intrinsic value because they are created by God, because Christ died for them on the cross. So that that is our message as Christians, why life is valuable, why it should be preserved, why abortion is not an option, why instead we should be valuing life from conception to natural death. But... As, as you were saying, there are groups who recognize, even without that particular perspective of created by God, bought and paid for by Christ, they still see that, no, this life has an intrinsic value of its own, and it should be preserved and kept, even without the, the Christian side of that. There, there is a natural argument to preserving life as well, and a lot of groups are picking up on that. I think a lot of this is uh, also on science, is, is increasingly on the pro-life side. We were seeing it, uh, for example, uh, sonograms, sure. where it's showing that this is not a blob of tissue, this is something else. To the point of fact that the, 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 the fetus, the unborn child, has its own distinct DNA. So when I hear a person say, well, it's my body. No, it's not. Own distinct DNA from the point of conception. When, yes. when the sperm fertilizes the egg and forms, I think it's a zygote at that point as a technical term. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm not a scientist. Uh, but, he, but at that point, it has its distinctive DNA. Now, I had some very interesting conversations. If you were watching our Facebook page, I managed to do several live interviews at the March for Life conference. Now, March for Life has a conference before the event, mm -hmm. before the March happens. And we've begun 
exhibiting at that conference, having an Eyes of Life banner. This year, we set up with Eyes of Life. The uh, NALC was there, uh, the National North American Lutheran Church, sorry. <laughs> um, LCRL, our, our new Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, and then Lutherans for Life. All of us had a booth area together set up. And as part of our presence there, I sought out individuals there at the convention who maybe had a different perspective or who had something to add to this conversation. And one of the conversations I had was with two attorneys who are actually uh, embryo defense is the organization that they that they put together, and it's the the snowflake children, the, mm. the frozen embryos, and that these are humans, that these are people, and that they have a right to life as well. And so they have an entire organization dedicated to assisting. And they made the comment that look, in a court of law, uh, one of the cases I forget the case offhand. You can go watch the interview. The court determined that these are people, that these are lives. At that point, as fertilized eggs frozen in embryo form, they are humans. What was interesting is I commented that last year we had a our own life conference, and one of the speakers, who's a medical doctor, said it is a scientific fact that life begins at conception. And I just posted that out on our Facebook and our Twitter, and it was the most controversial thing that I posted the entire week. <laughs> I, it was unbelievable. People took issue with that. They said, no, that's a religious statement. It's not a scientific statement. And so the, the confusion that has grown up around this is just, it's astounding. It's astonishing to see that even our own Christians believe that life beginning at conception is a religious statement, not a scientific statement. Well, it's it's interesting to me how so oftentimes uh, science actually reinforces the religious point of view. Uh, just look at biblical archaeology, for example, mm-hmm. where things in the Bible that had been completely discounted have been proven. For example, Pontius Pilate being the governor of uh, of Judea. Yeah, that things like that. It's there. There is support for it. Where we always have to be careful is we tend to want to say, now that we know this for sure, we can finally believe it. We, we place our <laughs> reason. Yeah. We place our reason over what Scripture actually tells us, and so that's why, with eyes of life, we talk about it. No, they have value because God created them, because Christ died for them on the cross, Scripture tells us this. We start there. These other things certainly help to bolster the arguments, and they are certainly excellent talking points, and they are good pieces of evidence to support it. We always want to make sure we don't put the cart before the horse as we do that, which is why we can say we agree with the Atheist for Life, and we can have wonderful conversations with them, and we can find common ground with them. But at the end of the day, we're still not exactly on the same page because we're starting at a different point than they are, which means we're going to end at a different point. And so we're crossing in the middle here, and we're finding that point of convergence where we're Mm -hmm. able to have good conversations, we're able to assist each other uh, in in things of this world and matters of government and walk alongside each other for a time. But in the end, there will be a parting of ways because our confession is simply, well, this is what Christ said, and we're going to go with it because that's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, President Trump actually addressed the uh, gathering through, uh, through through streaming, yeah. Whatever uh, this, this is your daily yeah. rather than mine. <laughs> Apparently, it was actually a live satellite feed, uh, so not not the social media streaming that I'm used to. Now, I wasn't actually able to be present to listen to it, but I've heard a lot about it. And what was historical about this is he was the first president to do a live satellite feed and address the march the the 
rally before the march, mm-hmm. the first president to actually do that live. Um, I don't think a, I don't, as far as I know, no president was actually physically no, at none, the rally. None, they none haven't have ever done yeah. that. There have been pre-recorded messages where a president would record a message that would get played at the March for Life. This was the first live one. I actually, I actually appreciated that approach very much because last year Pence, uh, Vice President Pence, was there in person, mm-hmm. and the security was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh great, so we get the benefit of hearing from top leaders, and we don't have the massive security fiasco that we got right. when they were there in person, and all the added expenses of that so yeah well the last uh, the last march the one uh, last year uh, actually for once actually got some decent media coverage partially because of the presence because, of the vice president yeah. and because president trump had specifically challenged the media to cover it yeah he, he kind of called him out that is a it is a con common problem i don't know if problem's the right word i think there's a different word i'm looking for but the march gets very little coverage compared Mm. to anything else so for example one of my friends was noticing on social media that the march for life which happened on friday got mentioned in some media media outlets in some places they simply said there was a large demonstration and refused to even say what it was they didn't use the words march for life they just said there was a demonstration anti-abortion would be the, the well if the they said anything phrase, at all yeah. but that's my point is they're not even necessarily saying that they're just saying here it was the next day saturday was the women's march mm-hmm and a lot of networks were wall-to-wall live streaming coverage of the entire event from start to finish Golly, now, if that's not I'm a shocked, contrast, yeah, if that's not a contrast of the values of our media, so when President Trump called that out last year, that's one of the things he was he was pointing out and highlighting. I think it's also one of the reasons why he has been more consistent at sending Vice President Pence last year to speak himself, doing the historic move of having the live satellite feed directly to it from the Rose Garden, uh, and events like that, attempting to raise the level of visibility within. Our, our society and the media. Well, I've read uh, I read the president's remarks and, uh, of course, looking over his record, things that he has done since he has been inaugurated, he is coming down solidly, and I mean solidly, on mm. the pro-life side, which I'm sure scares the heck out of the secularists. <laughs> uh, but one thing where he's been attacked uh, by the secularists is at one time he was, he was pro-choice and indeed had supported the pro-choice mm-hmm. point of view. He has said that he has evolved in his views since sure. then. And I'm going to do a mea culpa on this <laughs> because at one time I was pro-choice, hmm. pro-abortion, if you will. Sure. And the more I looked at the evidence, the less I could support it. And finally, I came to the point where it's, this is human life. Yeah. My God, I can't support doing this so yeah i evolved in my position too mm-hmm. yeah and i think a lot of people have i'm sure that you met people at the march who at one point had been pro-abortion several of, well several of the interviews i conducted one in particular was with abby johnson who oh, started yeah. the ministry and then there were none she was the director of a planned parenthood clinic so not only did she believe it and support it but her very job her very income depended upon the, the killing of innocent life. And she has now gone completely to the other side. And her ministry uh, is actually really unique. It's it's a fantastic uh, gospel-focused ministry, if, you, if I can put it that way. One of the things I love about it is that while recognizing that good can be done in legislating 
you know, the, about regarding this issue and having judges on the bench that will be helpful and friendly, having a president who is pro-life and friendly towards the cause. Ultimately, this issue comes down to, like you, Kip, your heart being changed into recognizing mm. this is life and I just can't do this anymore. And so the focus of her ministry is instead of the legal side of things, she works on recruiting people out of the industry, oh. getting them out of abortion clinics entirely, helping the nurses, helping the workers, helping the directors, anybody who's involved in an in abortion clinic, finding them another job and getting them out, which is a really fantastic, it's a long term, you know, really requires a long view. But at the same time, it's fantastic because if you get some, if you can work with somebody and convince them that this is wrong and have them leave that industry entirely, mm. well, that's that's the name of their thing. And then there were none. Eventually, there will be right. none to actually do this work. And at that point, it doesn't matter what the laws say. If there's nobody there to actually perform the abortion to do that work, it'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> also, the beautiful thing about that as well is it truly highlights the message of repentance. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Then two of the other women I talked to were the same sort of thing. They're, they started the ministry Save the One. Mm. And one is one of the women, um, I'm blanking on their names offhand. <laughs> Happens to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. And Jennifer is one of them and Rebecca is the other. Rebecca was actually conceived in rape. Oh. And she is the result result of that. And Jennifer is a mother as a result of rape. She was raped and has a child. And both mm. of these women have started a ministry called Save the One, once again gospel-focused, saying, no, it, the circumstances of the birth, of the conception, are don't determine whether or not this is a life. This is still a life even in the hardest circumstances. Those are hard, hard conversations to have. They have to be. They're they're very difficult because of the pain that's involved in them. But these women are stepping up and saying, no, we need to speak out for these children as well. well one of the other speakers there was the mother of one of the greatest athletes of all time, Tim Tebow. <laughs> and uh, I think Pam, is that her name? Pam, Pam yeah, Pam yeah. Tebow. And... Apparently, this was a very problematic pregnancy, and she was told to abort it, hmm. and she refused. Yeah. It's it's interesting, because that particular line of argumentation or, or defense, um, apology against abortion, can be very difficult, because what often happens is you take the contribution that the person would make to society mm -hmm. and make that the determining factor as to whether or not they should have been aborted. So talking about Tim Tebow, as wonderful of an athlete as he is, as wonderful as it is that his mother chose not to end and terminate that pregnancy, we do need to be careful how we talk about that as a talking point because we very quickly get into not created by God, Paid, paid, bought bought by Christ on the cross, but instead, look at the contribution he's made to society. Yeah. He shouldn't have been aborted, which is, ironically, the exact same argument that people make for for aborting Down syndrome children and others yeah. with those those things, because they look at that and say, well, they'll, they'll never be a productive member of society. Why should they live? Look at Tim Tebow. Look how productive a member of society he is. We, he should not have been aborted. So we have to be careful yeah, I see once that. again with, with that line of argumentation. But, yeah, it's wonderful to hear her speak and to talk about that seeing with eyes of life beyond simply the contribution. But this 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 is my son. Yeah. He, he is worth living because he's my son. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is to go to any nursing home. Yeah. And 
Sony wants to tell me that these people's lives have no value because they're beyond the age where they can make positive contributions to, yeah. s- to society. Yeah. And that one's a hard one because all of us eventually will be at that point. If we're lucky. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it's, it's hard to recognize for someone like myself to recognize, you know, 30 years from now, 50 years, whatever that timeline is where I'm sitting there, would I want to look at somebody like that and say, you have no value because of mm-hmm. your current circumstances. Yeah. I don't even want to go down that road. That is a very dangerous road to walk down. You put your soul in danger if you go that route. Yeah, because that can apply to just about anything that mm-hmm. in, in my life over which I have no control. That all of a sudden, I, once again, my value is based on what I can offer. And that's not how we Christians determine value. That's not how God determines value. Now God gave us value. Yeah, he created us. Yeah. There's our value right there. Christ died for us. There's our value right there. Another thing that I saw in the march that uh, I, I found really intriguing, especially when I compare it to, say, the uh, the Women's March or the, mm-hmm. or the uh, Million Man March, what have you, is these people are happy. Yes. <laughs> They're not angry. You know? No, I, did, I didn't. Rec- I don't recall. Okay, there were one or two angry people off on the side yelling things at us because we weren't working hard enough to end abortion. That's really the only kind of anger that I saw. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly, as you're marching, if you're marching with our group, with the Eyes of Life, with the Lutherans, we're singing hymns yeah. the whole time. We're, we're reciting the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. We're joyfully singing. If you go to our Facebook page, you actually can see some of the live coverage of you know when i had an internet connection because that was the hardest thing internet was so bad because of the crowds yeah it was hard to get a decent enough connection to go live but when i did here here we are singing a mighty fortress here we are singing god's own child i gladly say it all these wonderful hymns as as we're marching and you look around and here's the catholics and the evangelicals and and even the atheists and everybody else they're they're joyful they're they're singing uh, actually, I don't recall the atheists singing. I, I, maybe I wasn't around when they were doing that. <laughs> um, but the, the Roman Catholics are singing yeah. right next to us. They have their own songs, their own hymns that they're doing. And it is a family-friendly, if I can say that. It's the kind of thing you can bring Ultimately your kids. Ultimately family-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about what your kids are going to be exposed to in that sense because the nature of the march itself mm-hmm. um, in emphasizing the value of life and upholding the value of life the march itself also does that uh, by by its own nature. It's wonderful. Oh, what what to be a dangerous part of. concepts you're exposing the children to the concept of love and self worth. <laughs> Good heavens, <laughs> Peter. We're coming close to the end of this thing, but you did a lot of. Uh, your video and media type stuff that mm-hmm. I don't do here on radio. I, I, I deal with sound. Are these now posted on our site? Can people watch? Can they go to uh, yeah, Facebook? You, or? Facebook.com slash the LCMS is mm-hmm. our official Facebook page. You can see some of the coverage there. Uh, I was also at the Chicago March for Life the weekend oh. before, and this Saturday I'll be in San Francisco at the Walk for Life there, the West Coast Walk for Life. And so you can see coverage from Chicago and D.C. already up there, and I'll be in San Francisco, and hopefully my internet's good enough that <laughs> we'll be doing some live streaming from there. It, it'll be interesting to see the tone of the marches. Uh, Chicago was a much smaller march, and there was a large group of angry counter-protesters across the street. You won't see that necessarily on, on the live stream, but it's interesting to have that presence. Mm-hmm. D.C. has very little, if any, counter-protesters. It's something that there there isn't a lot of effort put into it. San Francisco, the last time I was there, has a very large group of angry 
uh, somewhat vulgar counter-protesters that will be present. And so it'll be interesting. The tone of that march is very different because of that. You're on the West Coast, you're in San Francisco, which in many ways is the heart of this worldview that says we should be able to choose, and it's our bodies, we can do whatever we want with it, and that changes the tone, at least of the counter-protesters. So You'll be able to see that. I probably won't be able to show any of that because it's simply too vulgar for yeah. for the for you know viewing. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I mentioned before I I've li- I lived in California for more than thirty years, mm. and uh, I saw some of the demonstrations that were going on when when Proposition Eight was going on, the one that would have uh, mandated uh, man and woman marriage, yeah, yeah, and the anger and hatred. Mm-hmm. pure rage that I saw in those who were opposed to it. It's just, it was appalling. There's a lot of hate out the, there. The thing to remember as you encounter individuals like that, if, if any of you are going to a life march, when you encounter those groups, remember that they are, their anger and their hatred comes from a place of deep pain. Even if they don't necessarily recognize that, if these are individuals who have aborted their children or who have participated in that kind of a thing, we know as Christians what God says about that. And by its very nature, that is going to hurt and that will fester and it will grow and that scar and that wound will only deepen. And so we need to be careful as we interact with them and recognize we need to act with compassion towards them um, and mercy because what they need is Christ, um, not us returning that anger back to them. Um, we, we have, as, as Pastor Salaming from Lutherans for Life says, we have something the enemy does not. We have a weapon that the enemy cannot use, and that weapon is compassion. And love. And the, can, the compassion and love. The enemy doesn't have that weapon. And when we use that one, it's the one thing that will defeat the enemy himself. And so remember that when you're encountering these individuals who are angry, they are hurt. And they need that compassion in the same way that while we were yet sinners, we received that same compassion. And so let's not separate ourselves from them and say, well, I'm glad I'm not like them, because we are. Each one of us is like them, but for the grace of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And let's remember that as we see those and interact with them. Amen. My guest today was Peter Slayton, who's been doing a lot of media work on these left on these uh, March for Life issues and, and everything else that we do here at the LCMS. <laughs> yep. And Peter, I'll be talking to you again, I'm sure, especially after the uh, San Francisco March. See what's been going on in my old stomping grounds. All right. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.